open in prayer, and then we'll jump into it. Lord, I thank you. I really do thank you for every person, individual here today, every person that's listening or watching online. I don't believe that it's by coincidence or chance that they're here, and uh, I believe that you want to speak to each person as an individual, and that you also want to speak to us as a community, that you would lead us in our lives as individuals, and you would lead us in our life together as a church family. And so we invite you. We know, God, that it's not about what I can say or come up with. It's about the Holy Spirit speaking from on high. And so together we invite you to speak through me, to have your way, that your truth would be heard, received, understood, and that you would transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know when you go out to your mailbox and uh, if you're anything like me, my goal when I go out to the mailbox and grab all of the things that that, that mailman or mailwoman has put in there because you can't help what is put in your mailbox. You don't, you don't decide. It just sort of shows up. You know, and so you go out there and these days a lot of what shows up is just junk, 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 junk. And so my goal is between the mailbox and the garbage can in front of my, in front of my house is to get, a, get my, all of the junk and throw it straight in the trash can before I go inside. You know, many of you do that too. It's like these days you can't expect that half the things that you receive in that mailbox is even going to be something that you want. Most of it's junk to be immediately thrown in the garbage. Some of it, like the bills, are things that you didn't necessarily want but you have to have, Right? You didn't want to receive it, but you must receive it. A lot of it's junk that you didn't want to receive, and you don't have to receive it. And then there's the, uh, the Amazon. Woo-hoo! You want that one. You've been waiting for that one. You ordered that one. And then occasionally you get that handwritten letter. Those don't come too often these days, do they? And then you think to yourself, this is either going to be really good or really bad depending on who sent it. Me and my wife, we have a, 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 good, a great relationship, but one thing that we don't do that much is show like outward signs of affection, um, especially in public. I don't know, I'm just not that type of person. And she's had to correct me on this a number of times uh, because, well, like we're working in young adult ministry and you know, there's college age girls around, and she said, Craig, you need to make sure that those girls know that you're married to me. <laughs> Hold my hand, put your arm around me, like, don't let them wonder, you're not on the market, remember? Like, and so I've had to like learn to be a little bit more like affectionate, hold hand, you know, and I'm working on that. And so one of the ways that I have tried to grow in that area is occasionally like I'll give her a little, you know, attaboy, you know, a little good game, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'll give her a little good game sometimes. Pastors are human too, it's okay. And, uh. You got to make sure that you do that in the right place at the right time, and definitely with the right person. There was this one time I was walking across the church lobby, and from behind, I could have sworn this person was my wife. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But it did make me think that sometimes it's really 
really important who you get something from. It's not always what you get. It's not always how you get it. Sometimes it's important who you get it from. <laughs> right, babe? <laughs> we all get things that are put in our mailbox of life. Stuff just shows up. Sometimes it's the package that you ordered and that you've been waiting for. Woohoo, Amazon. Sometimes God brings about those things that you really wanted. You've been waiting for it. You've been asking for it. You've been, you've been tracking it and, it, and it's finally here and you wanted it. Sometimes in the mailbox of life, junk shows up because that's the way that our world is. Just trash that you never ordered, you never asked for, and you fully intend on throwing that thing right into the garbage as soon as you receive it. Sometimes in the mailbox of life, things come our way that we don't necessarily want, like a tax bill, but we know that we have to receive it. And then sometimes there's things that show up that, uh, that you, you don't know. Could be good, could be bad. You just don't know until you know who it came from. And when stuff shows up in our life, as it inevitably does, some good things, some bad things, some things we expected, some things we didn't, how do we respond? Stuff comes from the world, stuff comes presumably from the evil one, stuff comes from friends and enemies, stuff comes from God. And I just wonder if sometimes, because the outside of the package and what it looks like doesn't look like something that we were expecting or something that we want, that we immediately put it in the trash pile before we open it up and see what it really is. Today we're going to look at a, a, a scripture text of two people that received something in the mailbox of life that they weren't expecting. And we're going we're gonna to allow this uh, story in the scripture to illuminate for us uh, this idea of how, it, how do we receive things when they come to us in life, and, and especially when they come from God, do we, do we only receive them and really receive them if they look like, sound like, touch, feel like, smell like the way that we want to receive them, or are we willing to receive things that God brings us no matter what it feels like, no matter what it smells like, no matter what it, if it's from him, do we really want it? So could I get Zachariah and Mary to join me on stage? Well, put your hands together for Zachariah and Mary. <laughs> Biblical characters. Is it okay if we have fun reading the Bible today? Good. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you want to open up, you, uh, you can follow along with us. To be honest with you, it might be a little easier today to follow along on screen because what we're going to do is this. If you, read, uh, if you don't know anything about Luke chapter 1, let me just describe it. It's, two, it's a couple accounts of two people... Uh, very different people. These two accounts happen about six or seven months apart from one another. They do happen to be relatives, but they have no idea of what's going on with the other person. And the two stories, though they are linked, they're, they're really separate in many ways. But you're going to see a lot of things that are pretty consistent about what takes place in their two lives. And so we wanted to illuminate the scriptures for you today by doing it a little different. And so everything that you hear these guys read is, is straight from the Bible. You can find it in there. But we've changed the pronouns from the third person to the first person. Uh, and so it's going to come alive in a, in a special way. So here we have my right. This is Zachariah. He's an he's a old man. He's a, he's a leader in the house of God. He's one of the priests. And over here on my left 
is, is Mary. She's a young lady. lady. You may, might know her by the name Mother Mary or the Virgin Mary. And these guys are going to uh, tell us the story of an encounter that they had when God showed up. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. That's me. Of the division of Abijah. And I had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And we were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I say that in the most humble of ways. But we had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both of us were advanced in years. I was like 99. She's like 88. Yeah, we're old. Now, while I was serving as priest before God, when my division was on duty, according to the customs of the priesthood, I was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. That meant I was in the priestly position to go into the temple alone to perform the blessed duties. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, and that's me. So here we have the people. This is our scene. We've got two people. One is a, an older man. He's the one that has the training. He's the one that has the position. He's the one that has the prestige. He has the title. He has the authority in the house of God. See, he, the priests of the day would have been like the pastors of today. He's the one that had leadership over all of God's people. He's in the line of the Levites, which is God's chosen people specifically to carry on his ministry and his duty inside the temple. He's the person that all of the rest of the people will be looking to for, for faith and spiritual leadership. We know quite a bit about him and his position and his stature. Very little comparatively was actually known about this young lady. There's not much that is actually said about her. The, the assumption is that she was actually probably pretty young, probably a teenager. She might have been as young as 12 or 13 years old. She had probably no training as a woman in the, that time. She definitely had no title, no position, no prestige. She just was a young girl. These are who the, the two people are in these two separate accounts in Luke chapter one. That's the stage, and then both of them have an appearance from on high. And there appeared to me an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And I was troubled when I saw him, and fear fell upon me. And he came to me and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But I was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Have you ever noticed that in the scriptures, oftentimes the initial response to either God or an angel showing up is fear? Yeah. It's like almost every time that an angel shows up, whether it's at the tomb when Jesus raised or the angels sending the shepherds in to, to meet the a baby Jesus or, or these two accounts... That, the first response is fear, and the angels like almost automatically have to say, don't be afraid. It brings up this, this interesting thought that is there something that's deep inside the heart of humanity that when God shows up on our doorstep, in our mailbox, why is it that at least part of us, if not all of us, has this initial response of, oh, I don't know. Should I be scared? Are, are you coming to do something that's going to harm me? Or 
Like, why is it, if we really believe that God is good, why is it that a priest will be standing in the temple seeking God, burning incense to God, and then an angel shows up that you wouldn't be like, wow. Or that God shows up in this amazing way. Over and over and over again, humanity's response to God showing up is a, is a response of fear. I know that, the, that it was true in my life. I grew up my whole life going to church. My parents made me go to church twice a week, every week, my whole life. Everybody in my family was a Christian, and so I called myself a Christian. But, you know, just because your Facebook status says Christian doesn't mean you actually follow Jesus. That was my experience, at least. I, 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 was, I believed that God existed. I definitely believed in Jesus, but I wasn't following him. Why? Because I was really concerned with my pleasure, friends, sports, girls, and I was concerned with being popular. And I had this fear that if I actually allowed the God in front of me to rule the life inside of me, that somehow my life was going to be worse than if I had given all of it to him. I don't know if anybody can relate with that. But there was a fear in me that like somehow God in front of me is going to be worse for me if I surrender to him. Why do we think that? It's insane. I mean, he's like, his very nature is love and goodness. Like, he's the greatest. Just the fact that he would come to us, we should be, we should be ecstatic. And yet so often, we're a little afraid, like, I don't know. And so we have these two people at two different times, and, and God shows up, and then a promise is made. But the angel said to me, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard. We have been praying for a son for a very long time. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And the angel said to me, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So here we, had, here we have two very different people. And God shows up. The initial response is fear, wondering, what are you really here for? And then, and then God proclaims a promise through his angel. In his case, it was a blessed promise, one that indeed him and his wife had been praying for, longing for. God, would you give us a child? They had been asking for this package to come into their mailbox. They had been waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. And finally, the angel comes and proclaims to them, it's here. Your prayer has been answered. God is going to give you exactly what you've been asking for. In his case, what God is bringing is exactly what he wanted. In her case, the angel shows up and makes a promise, a similar promise. Your, your son is not only going to be great like your son, but he's going to be the greatest. He's going to be gr the greatest gift not only to you, but to all of humanity. And as other than different than his, uh, his promise where they've been asking for a child, they've been desiring for a child, they've been wanting a child, she never expected nor never wanted one. 
And yet God showed up and brought a package towards both of them, one that one wanted and one that one never expected. And so they both asked a question. And I said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And I said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I don't know if you've ever read this, this chapter before and noticed the similarities between what's going on. As you can see, almost every detail about these two accounts follow the same progression. You know, the angel appears to both of them. There's fear initially. There's a promise made that a son is coming. And then there's two questions that you might have thought on the surface looked very similar. I don't know if you're like me. I've wondered, what's the deal with this? Why, as we will see in a moment, why is there a very different response from the angel and from God to his question than to her question? They almost sound like the same exact question, do they not? But we realize by at least two ways that these questions are very different from one another. We realize that by the context of the, tech, uh, of the scripture that's around it, uh, and, and following here in a moment, we're going to see that his question was actually laced with quite a bit of doubt. We also see, if you analyze the original language, exactly in the text, what the person is actually asking. And Zechariah's question, if you translate it directly, says, according to what am I going to know this? As if he's saying, according to what fact, according to what proof are you going to show me so I can actually believe that this is going to happen? It really sounds similar to her question, but her question was actually quite different. Her question, we know from the context, we also know from verse 45, when her aunt, his wife, says later, blessed are you who believed the Lord when he spoke to you. Her question is more a question of wonder, questioning, how is this going to happen? Because the truth about her life is that she was engaged, but she was not yet married. The engagement was, uh, in terms of commitment, just the same as us being married in today's day and age. But for them, they had a time of engagement where they were betrothed to one another. And so if they were to break that off, it's why in Matthew you would see Joseph said he resolved in his heart to divorce his wife. They had not yet come together in union to seal the marriage, but their engagement carried the same weight of commitment. And so he had been thinking he was going to divorce her, but they had not yet known each other. And so her question was a realistic one. How can I have a baby? That's not possible, right? She was, she was wondering how this is going to happen. But we know from the context of the scripture that she believed the Lord as soon as the promise was spoken. She was asking how in wonder. He was questioning in doubt. And, you know, when I think about Zechariah... For me, it's like, you're the man of God. You're the priest. You're the person that of everybody in the land, you should be full of faith. Why do you have so much doubt? And if I'm really being honest, I had to acknowledge the fact that I'm like Zachariah. Surely he had faith. Surely he believed the Lord. Surely he, he was in pursuit of God's ways, and yet... It might have been, I don't know, maybe because he was older and for year after year he had tasted of the disappointment of unfulfilled expectations. A lot of you know what that feels like. It's not that you totally disbelieve God when he shows up. It's that there's something inside of you that along with your faith has a, a hint of doubt saying, I, I just don't know if I can believe the promise because what I believed in the past didn't come 
to fulfillment. And so there's this like commingling of faith and doubt at the same time. And so because of one question of doubt and one question of wonder, the angel responds. And the angel answered me, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the angel answered me, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, she's my aunt, that guy's wife, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was, also, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from me. So here we have two people in our scene today. One man that should be full of faith. He has position, he has title, he has leadership over the house of God. One person that is relatively unknown and an angel of the Lord shows up to speak on God's behalf to both of them, makes a promise that a child is coming. One is gonna be great and mighty. Even Jesus himself says that John is, has, is greater than any other human to ever walk the earth. He's gonna prepare the way for her son, the greatest person to ever come. He's the savior of the world, the savior of humanity. And both of them receive this promise. They both ask this question of wonder and doubt. And then the angel says, you're going to be quiet because you didn't believe. And blessed are you for believing. And she says, let it be to me. Just as you've spoken, for I am a servant of the Lord. See, what happened is that God showed up and put something in their mailbox of life, one that he should have been, should have been desiring because he had been praying for. He should have been expecting he should have, even if he, he wasn't expecting it at that point, he should have been excited to receive this promise that was coming from God. And one, she never expected it, never wanted it, never asked for it, and yet she received this package that showed up with joy. Two different accounts of what happens when God shows up, how we respond to what God has said to us. You guys can hop on down. Put your hands together for them, if you will. Sorry. Those two are actually getting married soon. We're happy for them. What do we do in life when, you know, the package that shows up from heaven looks like a bill, looks like junk mail? The what or the how or the outside, what it looks like on the surface is not what Zachariah wanted or expected. How do you receive it or not receive it? How, like, like Mary, when you didn't expect it, it's not something that you're asking for. It's not something that you wanted. God, why are you bringing this, this before me? Why, why am I having this struggle? Why is this situation going on? What, what, it doesn't feel right. How do we respond when things show up in the mailbox of life? And, and really the primary question I wanna ask you today is, if it's from God, no matter what the outside of the package looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it sounds like, no matter how embarrassed we're gonna be, like Mary, would it become like, I'm gonna be full of shame, everybody's gonna laugh at me, like what's, what's gonna happen? Uh, no matter what it's gonna look like or feel like, if it's from God, are we willing to, are we willing to receive it? 
Sometimes I wonder if in my life, the very thing that I've been praying for, God is trying to come up and promise me, and yet because it didn't come the way that I want it, I'm gonna throw it in the trash can before I get inside the house. Or what if, uh, what if unlike Mary, we think in our heart, we're gonna, we're gonna abort the very thing inside of us that God is trying to do. What if we think in our heart, because I didn't expect this and I didn't want this and this doesn't feel right, I'm gonna ab abort the very destiny that God has for me, a greater destiny than one that I could ever imagine for myself. Isn't that a crazy thought? What if she would have tried to abort that baby inside of her because it was uncomfortable? because it's not what she expected or what she wanted, when she might, because she could have never conceived in her mind that this would have been possible, that what she couldn't conceive, God was conceiving inside of her, the destiny for all of humanity. The greatest gift that we could have ever received. I just wonder if sometimes God is trying to get us something that we're unwilling to receive. I'll confess to you that at least part of my assignment today is to prepare you for next weekend. Next weekend, we have this thing called The Sound, and we recognize with a growing church and so many new people that many of you have maybe never been to The Sound before. Many of you are new to uh, our faith community, and, and you maybe haven't experienced um, even the way that part of the city operates like week in and week out in terms of, you know, we're weird and hyper and passionate and charismatic and what you're gonna experience next weekend is we're gonna bring in some people and, and we're gonna to refer to them as prophets. It's a prophetic weekend. We're gonna invite the Holy Spirit more than, more than any other weekend of the year to just be able to, to do whatever he wants to do. And I, I wanna um, speak on behalf of all those that maybe you've been before and you've wondered or you questioned or you've doubted or you've never been before and, and you're gonna show up next weekend and you're gonna be like, what is going on? I just wanna uh, set you at ease by sharing a little bit of my story, if that's okay. Um, I didn't grow up in a church like Heart of the City. My church was relatively calm uh, compared to Heart of the City or other charismatic or Pentecostal churches. And I was actually ordained in a different denomination. Um, and you know what, just my story is, for a lot of years of my life, I was not only skeptical and full of doubt for some of these things, but I was actually kinda angry. And I think, is just the lens that I had or maybe the tradition I was brought up in or, or had been to some, some church gatherings where I felt like I had experienced some things that, that I thought was against the Bible, it really, whether it was some people speaking in tongues on the microphone and I didn't understand it and I got angry about it or, or these, these prophecy meetings and I didn't understand prophecy and I, I personally just felt like the ones that I had been to, the person on stage, this prophet was just saying things that were so generic that anybody could have said it and it felt like it was a lot about money and it's just where I was at. I hope and pray that you're not as, as jaded and skeptical as I was, but that's, that's where I was. But I met this group of people, for the first time in my life, I saw something that was real inside of them, but it wasn't weird. I was, I was in a different church, but I met this group of people called Heart of the City, and I just knew there's something more to the Holy Spirit that these people have that I don't have. And I said in my heart, God, if it's real, I want it. But if it's man-made, manufactured emotionalism, I want nothing to do with it. I only want it if it's from you. 
And so I got involved. Skeptically, maybe with a little, a little doubt like Zachariah, but there was definitely a faith inside me that said, if this is real, I want to know and I want to receive it. So I went to my first sound in 2012 and our old church at the back of the, the skinny long sanctuary, at the, the nursery was actually like the doors to the nursery are right at the back of the sanctuary. Yeah, we have an upgrade now. <laughs> it was loud. And so luckily I had a young child and, and I, was, I was babysitting, uh, self-elected that one. So I was leaning against the door frame of the, of the nursery so I could watch my kid because I didn't really want to be too close to the front, to be honest with you. And I was watching what they were doing up front, these prophets doing their thing. And I definitely had some doubt, arms crossed. But I definitely said in my heart, God, if this is from you, I want it. I want it. And so I was listening, I was watching, and at some point in the, in the gathering, the guy at the front said, hey, this is for you in the back. <laughs> and I was like, okay, pal, give it your best shot. I ain't falling over just because you blow, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he starts speaking. And I was like, that ain't, that ain't generic. He starts speaking to my heart. Things that resonated with me, specifically and personally. And by God's grace, by the end of that weekend, all four of the prophets that we brought in that year had a chance to pray over me and, and speak over me. And I just could not believe that the things that they were saying, they would not have known about me. The things that they were saying about me, if they said them about you, it would have been wrong. And the cherry on top of it all is that at one point, I don't remember exactly when, but at one point in front of the whole church, Pastor Bob McGregor, who's going to be here this next weekend, by the way, our pastor's pastor, the church we were planted out of, Pastor Bob McGregor put his hand on my shoulder in front of everybody. He said, Craig, you'll understand next weekend. You've said in your heart if it's from God and you want it, and if it's from man you want nothing to do with it, well, it's from God, and so get on board. <laughs> How could he have known that? The very thing that I had said in my heart and to my wife, that very line that I had said so many times, God, if this is from you, I want it. He spoke that out. He showed up. And you know what? The temptation when, when the, the prophetic atmosphere is here is just like these two, just like humanity. When God shows up, there's a sense of fear that like the prophet's gonna air all of our dirty laundry and call out the secrets of our heart in front of everybody, so we're gonna be embarrassed. And we're a little afraid at first, but you realize that when God reveals to you that he sees you, he knows this about you, he knows where your heart is, and he wants to speak hope into you, it's the most freeing and the greatest thing that could ever happen. And so I'm a believer. Why? Because there's no way that any man can make that up. God showed up in my life. And you know what? I could promise you that probably not everything that happens or is said next weekend is going to be perfect. But I do know that God is going to be in the midst of it. And I do know that together as a community, as we discern what is said, we can discern what is true and right and from heaven. So as you come next weekend, and, and by the way, this place is going to be filled. You're probably going to need to come early. People come from out of the woodworks in Coeur d'Alene Sound Weekend. 
Some people come with a whole lot of doubt. Some people come with a whole lot of questions. Some people come, even worse than I was, really angry about what we're doing. And a lot of people come with wonder and awe and expectation that just maybe there is a God that still likes to speak to his people. And I'm telling you, no matter what the package looks like, if it looks like it's wrapped in the tradition and the theology that you grew up with, or totally different than the one that I grew up with, if we give God a chance to show us what's on the inside, if we can trust the source, who it came from, then we can trust what it is, how it comes, when it comes, however it comes. More than that, we should desire it. So my question to you beyond what's going to happen next weekend is, if it's from God, do you desire it? Whatever it is, if it's from God, do you want it? In your heart, do you really truly want whatever's from God? The things that God is right now saying no to, are you saying no to those same things? The things that right now God is saying yes to, are you saying yes to those things in your life? If it's from God, no matter what it feels like, no matter how embarrassing it is, no matter what sacrifice it's gonna take, if God is asking you to do it, is that something that you genuinely want in your heart for your life? If it's something that God says, I don't want this for you, whether it's on that screen or whether it's with those friends or whether it's that substance, whatever it is, whether it's legal or illegal, if it's something that God is saying, I don't want this for you, are you saying, I don't want it for me either then? Like, are we a people that truly in our heart says, God, whatever it is that you want, those are the things that I want. And whatever it is that you don't want, those are the things that I'm going to reject. I think we have an opportunity here at the beginning of 2019 to reset our hearts towards exactly that. It's why, by the way, we're doing a, a fast together. We're setting aside this season for prayer and fasting. It's why we went about all the work to create this booklet that you were handed on your way in. We want everybody to have one of these. It's why this year, more than any other year, we've gone about the work of, of giving, teaching, and equipping on what fasting actually is. We wanna invite you to at least take a look at this. If you didn't get one, try and find one on the way out. If we ran out of them, uh, we're gonna have a PDF online or you can sign up at the Connect table. We'll get you one. We'll find a way to print it and get it to you this week. Whatever it might be, we together as a church, we're starting to fast tomorrow morning. And I just wanna formally invite you right now. We're, we're asking for 100% participation. I'm asking you, not the religious person sitting next to you, I'm asking you, would you consider for the next two weeks giving God everything? Would you consider for the next two weeks uh, keeping things out of your life for the sake of seeking God? That's what a fast is. I just want you to know what we're doing is not dieting. This is not like to lose weight in January. Prayer and fasting always go together. Fasting is something that we do where we put ourselves in a position where our flesh reminds our spirit of the desperation that we've always had for God the whole time, and yet sometimes as Americans we forget because we're so comfortable. Fasting puts us in a position where, where we are weak, and so we recognize our weakness before a God that can give us strength. 
Fasting puts us in a position where we recognize we don't have the power. Fasting puts us in a position where the human is motable by the deity. Fasting also puts us in a position where we're constantly reminded by the pain or the time that we have by putting other things out of our life to seek him to humble ourselves before him, to cry out to him. Fasting gives us the time and the focus to petition him that he would have his kingdom come in our world, not our will be done in our world. Would you just consider joining us? We've lined out in this booklet uh, to the heart of the two models that we're going for. We want you to know this year, as a staff and leadership team, we are committing this week, Monday through Friday, and then the following week after the sound, Monday through Friday, we're all committing to one of two fasts, either the Daniel fast or water only until 5 p.m. Monday through Friday, seek week, and then Monday through Friday, response week, because we also want to fast and pray and seek God to discern what it was that he speaks next weekend. If you're unable because of health reasons or some other reason, then would you just consider joining us in some other fast? It's not a legalistic invitation to do one specific thing, although I think there's strength and unity, but I think it's more important that we all would do the fast together to some degree or another. Something powerful is gonna happen. Something powerful always happens when people come together in unity in the seeking of the Lord. Would you consider that? Would you consider that? Yes. Thank you.